This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Thirty-two. That's the Nothing Personal Word of the Day. It's Thursday, April 13th, 2023. We are live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this, thank you. 32 as in the number of teams that MLB wants. Expansion has been talked about on Nothing Personal many times. Expansion comes after stadium deals are completed. We sat in meetings and told you that there's going to be 32 teams. If you want to have a team If you want to be a major league city, give a couple billion dollars, build a stadium, guarantee some sort of broadcast revenue, show us a path to being a revenue sharing giver, not receiver. Then make sure your ownership group is people who we want to sit around with and we want to be with, and then we'll get you 23 votes. And then you can be a major league city. It's a pretty simple process. There's articles being written everywhere about should it be Nashville? Should it be Charlotte? Could it be Portland? May it be Vegas? What about Montreal? Yesterday, there was a leak, a purposeful leak, that Utah has entered the conversation. Hell yeah. Utah said that they're ready for Major League Baseball, and they gave you the reasons why they wanted to be one of 32, and they were quite spectacular. Look at our AAA team. Hugely successful. We're building a stadium for them. That's how successful they are. Let me tell you something else that we have. We have 20,000 kids who play baseball. How about another thing that we have? Only four other teams in your league, Commissioner Manfred, have lower, smaller DMAs. We're right there. 2.7 million people, 2.4% unemployment rate. The leaders of Salt Lake City Basically, this group got together. It's the family of Larry Miller, the guy who's dead, who owned the Utah Jazz. The family owned the Jazz. They sold the Jazz. They also owned the AAA team. They owned a bunch of car dealerships. Bud Selig has no say in this Miller family, just FYI. But they owned a bunch of car dealerships and billionaires. And the thought was, hey, we need to do something even bigger and better for Utah. And the best way to do this is to get people to realize what we have to offer and what we've done. So for example, let's tell the governor to make a quick statement about the fact that we've proven ourselves as competent by hosting the Olympics and NBA all-star games. 
It's the most bizarre thing in the world. Because you've held a special event, that makes you Miami. Holding special events, really nice. Holding 81 home games, maybe slightly different. Don't lead with the very thing that will cause Major League Baseball and its owners to look at your city and say, uh-oh, red flag alert. Anything that reminds them of Tampa or Miami, I've got a spoiler alert for you, not going to be good. You want to promote the skiing instead of the beach? Same thing. Mountains instead of flooding? Same thing. Youth baseball? Same thing. Whoever is advising the Miller family suggested, why don't we say that we've got major leaguers in our group? Like Nashville has Dave Stewart and Don Mattingly is a part of it. I love you, Don, but we talked about I, on this show that I'm not sure why you lent your name to it. Jeremy Guthrie and Dale Murphy. Hold on, everybody. That's perfect. MLB has sat down and said, bingo. That's the type of group that we want. Dale Murphy and Jeremy Guthrie. And I'm not MFing either Dale Murphy or Jeremy Guthrie. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. Happen to be two great people. That said, mm, not exactly what MLB is looking for. Wait a minute. Let's see what else they said that really convinced him. Ah, the media market's larger than Milwaukee. Okay, thank you. That's outstanding. We have a population of 2.7 million that stretches from Ogden to Provo. I'm wondering whether or not they count Irwin Fletcher as a season ticket holder or a potential season ticket holder. And they know this because they did a survey. Do you remember when we did an entire, an entire episode segment, maybe 15 minutes about the survey that the Oakland A's did in Vegas? I took the survey and I was reading it to you. God, I don't remember whether it was on nothing personal. It may have been. And it was do you like baseball? Would you like to live in a city where there is Major League Baseball? Would you be more likely, less likely, somewhat likely, equally as likely to go to a Major League Baseball game as you are to go to a Minor League Baseball game? Would you be happier, same, less, little bit more ecstatic if you had the opportunity to buy a $12 beer in the ninth inning? So they take all these surveys and then they out themselves by explaining that they surveyed local fans and they found that MLB was the top choice ahead of even the NFL to have a sports team in their city. Well, Major League Baseball sees all this and they're laughing under their breath because they're thrilled. The more governors and the more people, the more rich people who stand up and say, we want a team in our city. It's like mana from heaven. Why do you think that Major League Baseball hasn't told Montreal to pound sand yet? Why do you think Montreal continues to think that they can get an expansion team? because you need as much competition as possible to drive the fees up. The people who are less happy that Utah went public, who do you think they are? They're the cities already in play. The Vegas, the Charlottes, the Montreals, to the extent they are, the Portlands. But Utah just couldn't resist it. And the governor, for whatever reason, thinking it was good to put all these quotes out, it would be, I think, a validation of everything that we've worked so hard to do, 
said Governor Spencer Cox to ESPN. We've proven ourselves. And they just kept going. And I'm wondering who's advising them because it can't be Dale or Jeremy. Well, maybe it could be, but how would they know enough to advise what to do and what not to do? Spoiler alert, stop promoting yourself that way. Go to Major League Baseball quietly. Meet with the commissioner quietly. Bring in a list of bona fide investors with net worth statements and what they're committing in capital to both have an expansion team and build a stadium. Then have proof that you've got a partner in the TV world, in the streaming world, that will guarantee a stream, pun intended, of revenue to a team in Utah of blank dollars. Then show me projections for season ticket holders. Show me then not the survey of who likes baseball in Utah. Show me season ticket deposits. Show me 10,000 people who gave you $100 saying, if you have a team here, we are behind it 100%. Then I'm going to want to see a naming rights deal. Then I'm going to want to see the construction plans for the stadium. And on top of that, I'm going to want to see who's doing the design and construction and who's paying for it with full sources and uses of funds. Then, if you want to be stupid, go public. It's a pretty simple procedure. Every city knows it. Every owner knows it. It's like when you're trying to buy a baseball team and you hold a press conference to announce your interest in bidding for that team and that you're bidding for that team and then what you bid for that team. You're not getting that team. You don't win by being public. It's the number one thing that you advise that these banks, if you're going to charge $20 million to do a transaction, isn't your first piece of advice? Shut up. You'll have plenty of time to be public, but these rich people, man, they just want it. The owners, the billionaires, they want to be known. They want to be out there and say, look at me. I'm a bitter of a team. Make no mistake, there will be 32 teams in Major League Baseball. Will one of them be in Utah? No chance, toilet pants. But is it exciting that there's another city in play? Hell yes, it is. Oakland has to be in a new stadium by 25. Not going to happen. They're going to get a little delay as construction gets started somewhere in Oakland. I already gave you a wait to see. They're not going to Vegas. Tampa needs to be in a new stadium by 28. I promise you they're going to be in a new stadium by 28. And they got to start right now. One of the things that these teams, Oakland, Tampa, Utah, do you like how I'm saying that? Miami, Arizona, Minnesota, Cleveland. I can name them all. During the course of time, if you want to be an expansion team, if you want to relocate your team, if you are a team that exists and you're looking at your streams of revenue and you're trying to figure out how to build that revenue, the first thing you are focused on is what is my TV deal? What is happening to my TV deal? And how do I make my TV deal commensurate with my competitors in Major League Baseball? so that it slots in where it should according to the DMA size so I can then present my case to baseball. All of that is happening right now, and the bankruptcy of Diamond has created tumult inside the walls of Major League Baseball, and something happened yesterday again. A filing, this is a long drawn out court situation. I wanna sum it up for you. And one of you asked a question that allows me to do just that, which is why I chose to answer it. 
You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in Twitter, hit follow David P. Samson. I'm uh, looking at DMs there. I'm looking, don't see all of them, but trying. Instagram, David P. Samson, same thing. You can reach me on TikTok, but I don't know how to do that. So don't try. But Coke is doing some cool TikTok videos for us. In any case, the character's name is Samson from the movie Half-Baked. And here's a question. I just read that teams are not being paid their TV deals by Diamond. I have listened to you discuss this before. Thank you. That's not in the question. But now that money is not being paid, what is happening to teams and players? Any chance that players won't get paid? Thank you, David. And it's just business. Hell yeah. We're making some progress here, Coca. People are putting it's just business inside the questions with not this one didn't have a hello, but it did have a thank you. All right. Let me start with the first part of that question so you can just get it out of your mind for anybody who's related to any players. Anyone who is in their orbit who counts on players to get paid because you're supported by players, whether you're an agent, whether you are part of the family or part of whatever other group of a player. Here it is. On three, I'm going to do it very clearly. Okay, count me in. Eight, six, seven, five, three, zero, nine. Major League Baseball players signed to contracts will always get paid. Are we okay with that? Even when a team goes bankrupt, if a team would do what Diamond's doing and file for bankruptcy, file for Chapter 11 restructuring, go bankrupt the way the Baltimore Orioles did in the Eli Jacobs situation when Angelos took over, when there's a forced sale like in the McCourt situation, when there's a distressed sale like in the Tom Hanks, holy crimes. What is the name? It's not Tom Hanks. Texas Rangers, three, two, six, Tom Hicks. Thank you, Coca. In the Tom Hicks situation, bankruptcy for sale, players will always get their guaranteed contracts. MLB will not allow a player to not get paid. Are we good on that? Don't ever think about it again. Don't mention it again. Players will get paid. Okay, next. Now, what happens when teams are not getting paid? This is a bigger problem. So here's what's happening with the diamond bankruptcy. When you file chapter 11 to restructure, you are working with a court appointed bankruptcy judge and you are working with the holders of your debt. There are lenders, people who lent you money. Hey, you owe me money. Hey, you're gonna have to pay me back that money. Hey, I don't have enough cash to even pay you the interest on the money I borrowed. Okay, then you're gonna have to stop paying other people because we're gonna have to sell everything you have, including the computers, the chairs, the desks, and any assets you have like contracts, et cetera. We're gonna have to get all that money and then pay me back. Or in the alternative, we will not make you pay us back, but we're gonna own a bigger percentage of your company and we're gonna make sure that all of the deals that you had in place that were above market, that were not profitable, we're gonna get rid of them. And then when you come out of chapter 11, you're gonna be reorganized and only have deals with teams where we're making money and you've got the cash to pay us back what you owe us. That's all it is, folks. That's what chapter 11 reorganization is. Get rid of the crap. Why is it that you think people declare bankruptcy like personal bankruptcy? Do you think it means that when you declare bankruptcy that you cannot buy a quarter pounder with cheese? It means you don't wanna pay your Amex bill. 
It means you want certain unsecured debt to disappear. You want to personally restructure your life, start over, get permission from the bank, lose all your ability to buy anything with credit, but you get to not pay certain of your debts. Now, there's other sorts of details in there, like did you know you were not going to pay them when you incurred them? All sorts of different fraudulent things. Anyway, Minnesota, the Twins, the team that I tell you is going to win the Central. They're not the only team. How about the Guardians? Such a good team, right? How about the Diamondbacks? Diamondbacks right now. See, if we were inside a studio, Coca, I would have known that you were going Diamondbacks second. Twins first. We're showing this on Nothing Personal, but we're going to be there soon. We're coming for you, Metal Arc. The Guardians, the Diamondbacks, the Twins, what do they have in common? They're not getting paid by Diamond. Diamond owes them money. We are now in the season. Therefore, the rights fees that are paid seasonally are due to be paid. And Diamond has said, no thanks, we're not going to pay. But Diamond has also said, we're not paying, but we're going to keep showing your games. Baseball, not so happy. They need the teams to get paid. However, they don't want the games pulled from television because the PR that comes with the games not being available to be televised makes the league look like it's rinky-dink and they don't know what they're doing. So what MLB is doing is they're looking at the teams not getting paid. They're recognizing that it's okay that the teams are letting Bally's Diamond continue to show the games, but they're going to court saying, allow us to cancel these deals. They are in violation of the contract because they're not paying. Therefore, we should be allowed to rip it up. They're saying this to the judge who's in charge of doing all the reorganization of Diamond. We want to rip it up and get out of it. What Diamond is saying is, listen, we don't want you to rip it up. We're merely telling the court and all the people we owe money to that the amount of money we pay to the Guardians and the Twins is too much. Therefore, we would like you to let us pay them less. So give us a number that's less, and that's what we'll pay Minnesota for the pendency of the contract. And MLB is saying, well, that's not fair. We thought we'd get Minnesota $60 million a year. Now you're just going to give them $40 million a year. What about the other 20? Diamond says, not my problem, Your Honor. It's not worth $60 million a year. We can't do a deal at $60 million because it's a losing deal. And if you let Minnesota rip up the contract and they go somewhere else, they're not going to get a deal for $60 million either. There's going to be disruption to the consumer. There will be confusion to the consumer. And there will be a less likelihood of a positive outcome for the holders of the debt. So, Your Honor, with all due respect, you have to allow for me to not have Minnesota rip up the deal. You have to allow for me to not pay Minnesota anything other than a smaller amount than what they think they are owed under the contract. Minnesota says it's a contract. Diamond says, wait a minute. We just filed for chapter 11. Guess what? It ain't a contract no more. Now, there are provisions in certain contracts that talk about what happens in case of inability or not paying your fees. It's like any contract. When you don't pay your mortgage, do you think they come for your house that day? You get, hey, come on. Could you please pay? 30 days goes by. We're telling you, we want your mortgage payment. We're serious this time. 60 days goes by. Seriously, can you not pay me the damn mortgage? Crickets. 
All right, we're going to have to send it to collection now. We're going to take ownership of your house. 90. All right, it's COVID. We can't kick you out of the house, but now we're post-COVID. We'd like to be able to kick you out of the house. It's been about six months. You haven't paid, sometimes eight months. All right, now we're going to do it. We're going to sell your house at auction, and we're going to ask you to leave. It's a long period of time from you not doing what you're contractually obligated to do to the court or anybody saying, all right, we're breaking up this deal. We're voiding this deal. Game over. Get out of your house or get out of your TV deal. That's really not how it works. And MLB's position on this is not wrong. It's just not dispositive. Their reaction to Diamond saying that they want a different, smaller TV deal was only after defaulting on their obligations do the debtors, that's Diamond, even raise, even raise. Excuse me one second. I just lost their quote, but this is, we're a live show. It's okay. Ah, Coca. Only after defaulting on their payment obligations do the debtors even raise the fanciful argument that they can choose to not pay the agreed upon contractual rate. That is legal mumbo jumbo for saying, hey, why are they now saying that they can't pay us the 60 million a year and they only want to pay us 40? Why didn't they start with this a long time ago? They're only doing it now because they can't pay us. The debtors are coming up with any and all reasons to delay a payment. Yes, that's true. Debtors remember Diamond, the ones who are bankrupt or reorganizing. That's who that is in this play. They are asking the court to take the extraordinary measure of rewriting the terms of agreements that were freely negotiated and entered into. What MLB is saying, there's a contract. MLB is saying there is no reason for a court to ever do anything but enforce an existing contract. And, and what MLB does not realizing is that you are now in bankruptcy court. There is a different set of laws. There are bankruptcy laws. There is not a court in bankruptcy when you're in bankruptcy. It says, hey, you signed the deal. Can't break it. That's what chapter 11 is for, for exactly that, for breaking deals. MLB continued to say in their filing that these monies that are owed are critical to the operations of the teams. That's true. I've told you how it works. TV revenue is a huge part of the local revenue for the smaller market teams. There's no doubt about that. And MLB does not want to have to make these teams whole, which is maybe what Rob Manfred had a promise to teams as MLB wanted to take back streaming rights, take back all the rights to these teams and find a way to replace that revenue for the teams who lost their TV revenue, their contracted TV revenue. How are they making them whole? the commissioner's discretionary fund, we talked about it. Some sort of borrowing, they can go raise capital, MLB can, using their national money as collateral. They can raise more money and put the teams in more debt or put the league in more debt. They can do all of that. But none of that is a full-time permanent solution to the changing television landscape and the way you are taking in the content. This bankruptcy case and all these filings MLB is trying to desperately hold on to the past. Don't take away my typewriter. I love my Apple IIc. I don't see any reason for the jet engine. What Diamond is saying is we lived in a world where it was nothing but guns and roses. Everything was coming up aces. Money was flowing left, right, and center. We figured the fountain would never dry up. The world's changed. 
That's what bankruptcy court is for. And judges tend to agree that when the world has changed and they can get proof that the world has changed, and believe me, both sides can equally prove that the world has changed and they would have a hard time disagreeing about cable subscribers going down and streamers and cord cutters going up. Revenue for networks going down, salaries in baseball going up. It is a pretty simple equation. Something has got to give, something is going to give. We'll keep following this, I promise you, but this is an ongoing story. MLB and Diamond will be doing filings and counter filings before the court. And this is not before the commissioner. This is not an arbitration before Rob or Roger Goodell or Mary Jo White or Samson and Coca. They are in actual court where actual rulings will be made that actually have to be followed that could actually screw some of these teams. We'll keep following it. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a documentary that Coca told me to watch, and I did, about Louis Capaldi. And then we're going to talk about what's going on, a little update with the commanders, because we do have quite an update for you. All right, we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thanks. Let's get right into it because we have a lot to do and only 21 minutes left to do it. Live on YouTube every day, 8 a.m., Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You know I'm doing the Levitard show with you once a week. The business podcast with John Skipper, that's fun too. We're going to be launching that here shortly. But Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube. Listen to it whenever you get your podcast. Keep spreading the word. Let's become the biggest podcast in the Levitard universe. We can do this. That would be outstanding. All right, I'm watching a movie every day. You know I do, TV shows, movies. I've got a bunch of current things. I keep track of any current any current shows I'm watching and when they come on. Of course I do. You know how I am in front of my phone. Like Ted Lasso on Wednesdays, Succession on Sundays, Survivor on Wednesdays, Dave, is coming, Dave comes out Wednesdays. 
Jury duty comes out Friday. So I keep track of what I'm watching to make sure I don't forget. This one, and I'd like your suggestions too, the audience. You've had some good ones. I watched one yesterday that was a suggestion of yours called Lay the Favorite. We're going to have to talk about that one offline. However, this one was Louis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now. Raise your hand if you've heard or could identify Louis Capaldi. Anybody? I can't see out there. Hello? Anybody out there? Is anybody alive out there? Dun, 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 dun. That was a little Bruce. Nod to Bruce. Bruce playing in Newark tomorrow night. Anyone excited about that? Anyway, so this documentary is about a guy from Scotland, sort of a goofy kid who liked music from when he was young, sort of round and, and just strangely Scottish, who wanted to make music. And it's one of those stories where he becomes rich and famous, but doesn't change, lives with his mummy and daddy. He writes songs to try to please them. He is this amazingly emotionally interesting man. Boy becomes a man sort of in disbelief that he gets to do the things that famous people get to do. And then has an Instagram following that would make Ronaldo jealous. That's the worst example. Of course, he wouldn't make Ronaldo jealous. Hold on, 4869. He has an Instagram account that would make Billy Joel and Springsteen jealous, or even someone in probably Adele. How about that? That's actually a better example. Coca, does Louis Capaldi have more followers than Adele on Instagram? I'm not going to say Ariana Grande or Selena Gomez or any of those, but we're talking about a major Instagram, major presence. He's got 47 million fewer than Adele. Oh, bad example. Coca, I thought you were about to tell me he had more than Adele. Oh, well. So anyway, he is pretty amazing. That's a good one, Coca. I'm going to put that in the show right now. Louis Capaldi has enough Instagram followers to make Major League Baseball jealous. Good one. You could have come up with that before the show. So he's going along. He's releasing songs. I'd never heard of him, but then he plays a song, and I'm like, I've heard of that one. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty's too much. Uh, oh, no. Wait a minute. It's before I go in water, you will have someone I used to. Hello, it's me. I just called to say, it was something like one of those songs. And I recognized it, but I didn't know that it was Louis Capaldi. And then boom, we learn that there's something else going on. So this documentary talks about what happens when he's young, amazing footage, because now when these young people who are in their 20s, let's say, their whole life has been with video cameras that are high quality and they're all videoing themselves. It's literally freaking perfect. For documentarians, this is the dream period of time because it's not like you're looking for footage that's all crackly. You've got like HD footage of people when they're seven years old doing their first piano because someone's filming them because you're going to be famous, I say. And either way, I'm going to take video of you because I'm going to post it somewhere. It's awesome. So we have amazing coverage of him. Then he starts writing songs. Then he gets discovered, not overnight, but he does. And then he's playing in front of huge people after he was playing in, fr in front of like two people and then six people, then 12, and then a little pub, then a big pub, and then all of a sudden a festival, and boom, the guy is Louis Capaldi. But there's some mental health issues. This is what we are led to believe. Some anxiety that comes with being famous when you've just been 
sort of thrust into fame. It is not what you would think in terms of ease. Not everybody can handle it. And then there was a question, is there something else going on with him that could be causing this anxiety or is anxiety caused by something? It's a whole lot about how I'm feeling now. And I'll tell you that I ended up with this documentary, Coca, not only loving his music, but also loving him. And there aren't many documentaries that I will watch where I have not heard or formed an opinion about someone in the music world. And then I can be proven wrong by the documentary, which is awesome. I can be proven right, which is cool. Or I can just totally be thrown on my axis. And that's what Lewis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now, did. It threw me on my axis. It is well worth your time. Please watch it. I wonder whether Jeff Bezos watches documentaries on Amazon. Or do you think he watches them on Netflix or HBO or he just watches Amazon? That would be like running a baseball team and not watching basketball, right? Or running a baseball team and not paying attention to what's going on in Congress. I think it's okay to pay attention to more than one thing. It's okay to be involved in more than one thing. It's okay to own the Washington Post and the Washington Commanders. It's okay to bid on the Washington Commanders. If you're Jeff Bezos, it's okay not to bid. Here's what's not okay about what's going on with the sale of the Washington Commanders. It's too damn public. When the Marlins were being sold, we had things going on that were public, but they were all controlled by me. I was the one leaking different things about different bidders. I was the one making sure that bidders knew if you open your mouth and give a quote, you are automatically disqualified. You will not get the 23 votes. Keep your yapper closed. All the things we talked about that Utah did wrong, there is stuff going on in the bidding for the commanders that is just one fumble after another, pun intended. Word came out yesterday that Jeff Bezos is not interested in bidding for the team. Do you think for one minute that Jeff Bezos is not interested in bidding for the team because it was released that he's not interested in bidding for the team? How about a better possible solution? How about Jeff Bezos leaking that he's not bidding for the team because he doesn't want the other bidders who are Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, and Magic Johnson, and um, TD, TD for, God damn it, Tillman for Tita. Are there, are there any names that you have in your world that you can't say? Like any words that you can't spell? And no matter how many times you see them, no matter how many times you say them, it still doesn't come out right. There's no way I'm the only one. There's no way. I guess I'm just willing to admit it. I can never remember or say his name. Tillman Fertitta, another bidder for the commanders. Do you think that Bezos thinks that they could increase their bids just to try to get more money out of Bezos? Or that Dan Snyder could claim that there's other people bidding at certain numbers to get Bezos to increase his bid? because he'd be bidding against himself. Hmm. Why would anyone selling a team ever want people to bid against themselves? For the life of me, I can't think of a reason. Hmm. I'll keep thinking. Putting a market out there that may or may not be accurate in order to increase the value of your asset. Golly, that's something, isn't it? Of course, there's incentive for Dan Snyder to think and to have out there that there's people bidding and bidding 
and for Jeff Bezos to be bidding against himself. Jeff Bezos has incentive to not throw away an extra 100, 200, $300 million. Well, that may be the money that's in his safe in his home. The fact of the matter is rich people don't want to be fooled. They don't want to spend more money than they should because that's how rich people stay rich. Rich people don't buy retail. Tillman Fertitta gave an entire statement yesterday where he outlined his bid of the commanders saying, I bid $5.6 billion for the commanders. Why? Because that's the value that Forbes had them at. <laughs> I can't. Does he have any PR help? Anybody at all? Is anyone telling Mr. Fertitta what to say just out of curiosity? Or did he just decide that he was going to say this bunch of malarkey? I made a bid on the commanders for $5.6 billion, and that's the value that Forbes had them at. That's all I can say. I own a franchise, so I love them selling for a lot. But at some point, I don't think $6 billion is the right number. Okay. He drew a line in the sand. He said he's not going above $5.6 billion. And you know what Dan Snyder's saying? Great. I don't care. Because behind the scenes, I'm telling Mitchell Rails, actually, I'm not even talking to Mitchell Rails. I'm going to talk to Josh Harris or Magic Johnson if I can. I'm letting them know that Bezos, despite everything he's saying or what you're hearing, is absolutely involved. And if you don't go from 6'2 to 6'3, you're not getting the team. I don't care what Fertitta said. He wasn't even in consideration. I don't have the votes for him. And he doesn't have the money to close. This is why you need multiple groups bidding for the team. This is what you do if you are Daniel Snyder or his bankers to get the maximum amount of money. None of this means that the commanders are not going to be sold. They are. None of this means that they're not going to be sold for $6 billion or more because they are. And none of this means that Jeff Bezos is not going to buy the commanders because I still think he is. I could be wrong. It's a wait to see. I'm willing to get it wrong. But don't tell me because he announced that he's no longer interested in bidding through a source that that means he's not bidding. That would be inaccurate. CNBC got the exclusive with Mr. Fertitta and his Forbes comment. I mean, that may go in the Hall of Fame. It really may. Nothing personal pick of the day. We won both. We needed it badly. We had the Thunder plus five and a half over the Pelicans. And we had the Diamondbacks over the Brewers. And both of them won. So we're 52 and 53. The pick tonight is the Cardinals over the Pirates. But I want you to focus on what happened last night between the Pelicans uh, and the Thunder. We won the game. We had the Thunder plus five and a half. When you've got the best player on your team who's not playing in a play-in game and you want that player to get a workout, do it before the arena is open to the media. If we had the best player on our baseball team unavailable to play in a tie-breaking 163rd game where we either win the division or we don't get the wild card and we go home, and our best hitter has not played in months, but our best hitter is ready to go physically but not ready to go mentally, so he says, or he's not ready to go mentally and not ready to go physically, whatever the case is with Zion that we covered yesterday, if our best hitter is that way, here's what we're not going to do. Have our best hitter take batting practice in front of cameras and hit bombs. Zion Williamson was warming up with the team 
dunking the ball, making moves to the hoop, and everyone was celebrating. Look at how great Zion looks. What are you doing, New Orleans? Show me one example of a team that would make that decision. Where you say, here's the plan. Let's show the world how close Zion is. How do you think the teammates feel? Hey, Zy, you're looking pretty good, man. I'm not going to say we couldn't use your help, but man, we could use your help. You look, how about giving me eight minutes tonight? You're active. It's not like you're on the IL and you're ineligible. We could have you there. We'll put you on the roster ready to go. I mean, you're sweating. We just take out the jewelry and come. It made me so angry. The, the absolute ineptness that New Orleans showed. If you want Zion to dunk the ball, fine. Do it early. <sighs> okay. Cardinals over the Pirates. All right, do you remember I talked about beer? Anybody remember? I talked about selling beer, how there are teams that may sell beer after the seventh inning, but the fact that the majority of concessions are sold early in the game, but now there's teams who are going to sell beer into the eighth and how it's a huge, huge deal. The Diamondbacks, Rangers, Twins, Brewers have extended their alcohol sales, and people are saying, wow, this is major. This shows you that teams realize that games are going by quickly, and this is showing you that teams are need to make up for that revenue. Here's a little nugget for you. The reason why we stopped selling beer in the seventh inning had nothing to do with a rule. It had nothing to do with the time of game. It had to do with... We wanted to have the appearance that we were not selling alcohol to people in our stadium who were going to get in a car and then drive home. That said, with the proliferation of alcohol availability in and around stadiums, it is difficult for me to make the argument in any substantial way that stopping alcohol sales at any point in the game is prudent financially or even prudent morally, because people who want alcohol and we're going to be irresponsible and drive drunk, guess what? They can do it anywhere because we're opening bars and various places purposefully for people to go post-game. Do we stop selling beer around Wrigleyville in the seventh inning? It's laughable. Teams are realizing they now have a cover. They have an excuse where they can extend their alcohol sales. So why not do it? The world has changed. Why leave a dollar on the table? Do you know what the most profitable concession is at a baseball game? Beer. Why would you not sell your most profitable concession item from the very first minute the gates open to the very last minute the gates close? You're worried about a comment? You're worried about somebody telling you that it's not right? There's a good business mind. He's on Twitter. His name is Joe Pampliano. He's trying to tell you that teams are losing between 280000 to a million dollars throughout the season, depending on the stadium, because of the length of game. I take exception to those numbers, only because if you do the math on that, you have to look at the time of game. There are plenty of home games that go 230. There are plenty of home games that go 310, that go 330. Sometimes the last two innings are quicker. The last two innings take forever. Sometimes the first seven innings take forever, and the last two innings go by in a jiff. I think that it is very difficult I would have a very easy time going through our concession numbers, letting you know which concession stands are selling how much beer and what time those beers are being sold. And I promise you that if it were ever said to me by my CFO, do you have any idea what you are leaving off the table when we have a two and a half hour game? 
we got to slow it down or we got to keep the beer stands open past the seventh when the games are going fast. I would have been a, why didn't you come to me with that earlier? Every team is going to extend their beer sales because we are a copycat league. And the once one person does something that everybody wanted to do, then everybody says thank you and starts to do it. There is not one example of a team who would say to you, other than in Utah, who would say to you, we do not want to maximize our alcohol sales. What can we do so we don't look irresponsible to certain constituencies? It's a pretty easy one. Don't think that this has to do with the fact that games are shorter. Think that games being shorter after a week is giving teams an excuse to do what they've always wanted to do. That's all. All right, something happened yesterday with Anthony Volpe, and I want to make sure we're very clear on the question I answered. I told you that Volpe of the Yankees was not going to be benched by the Yankees. The reason I told you that is I said that he needs to play every day. Some of you on Twitter, David P. Sampson, got a little confused in my DMs, thinking that I had called on his benching and I was wrong because he was playing the next day. So it was only a rest day, meaning yesterday when Volpe played. What I was trying to say, and I guess I will say it one more time, is that young players who are your prospects need to play every day, either at the minor league or major league level. You do not bring your best players to the big leagues to have them be utility players or pinch hitters, period. Volpe on the bench was to see if one day off could get him back hitting, not because he needed rest. It was to see if that could clear his head. Now he's going to play every day and the Yankees will follow it, evaluate it, and decide when it's time to send him down if it ever is again. And once he gets sent down, it will be to play every day down at AAA. That's the bottom line. All right, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. When it does, great. When it doesn't, great. We'll revisit it. I promise you. There was a lot made yesterday, and we've talked in this show about franchise tags and Lamar Jackson. There was a big art about, uh, article about Saquon Barkley, who is the, the Giants running back. Uh, Daniel Jones did not get the tag for the Giants. It was Barkley. Barkley got the non-exclusive tag. He has the right to, Saquon Barkley has the right to go get an offer sheet. Then the Giants have the right to match. He's got till July 15th in order to sign this exclusive tag. But in the meantime, he doesn't have a contract currently signed. He has an offer, which is what a franchise, franchise tag is, but he hasn't signed it. So people are making sort of a deal of, oh, he's not going to be at the off-season workouts that are starting now. Of course he's not. He doesn't have a deal. And even if he had a deal, he wouldn't want to go to them yet anyway because he wants his offseason to continue. Players don't like mandatory offseason workouts. That is why sometimes they're tied to roster bonuses or workout bonuses or appearance bonuses, both to subvert the cap and to get participation. Barkley not going is not relevant in any way to whether he intends to sign the tag or not sign the tag. Him not showing up to the workouts is perfectly normal. Everybody keep calm. However, I believe there should be a change. The change in football is that you should not have this much time between the giving of the tag and the date after which you can no longer sign. July 15th is the date where tags have to be signed. 
I think you should move that up to April 15th. Because all that's happening now is fan bases are frustrated. Front office, marketing, sales teams, football operations. They're trying to figure out who's going to be on their team, who's not going to be on their team, who they can put in the calendar, who they can't put in the calendar. Move the date up to April 15th because players don't need this long to get offer sheets. These types of restricted free agents already are canvassing the other 31 teams before even the tag is put on them. You don't think the Saquon Barkley's agents or Lamar Jackson's alter ego were out seeing what kind of deals existed for them before they were tagged? You don't need till the 15th. So my wait to see it is official. Barkley is going to sign the tag. Don't worry, Giants fans, because at the end for Barkley, the 10 million plus he's going to get, that is as good as it's going to get. It's just business. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.